welcome to Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies. And sometimes we just keep it shallow. I'm your host, Megan. I'm Kate. Get ready, because here come the spoilers. I'm so excited. Seven. Sorry, we got to start over. We both got so excited to talk about this movie that we both started talking at the same time. <laughs> I love Seven. I love David Fincher movies. I really love the Mindhunter series on Netflix. So like yes. Seven is just like really near and dear to my heart. Yeah. I uh, Seven has been on my, I don't know, top five movie playlist for for years, many years. I don't even know how many, but it's it's like my thriller action go-to. I love it. It's super good. And I I don't rewatch movies quite as intensely as you do. So I don't think I've seen those <laughs> times you have. There were things like going back and watching it, especially because we're so deep into the Saw series right now, to have this contrast of these Saw movies against this like David Fincher 90s masterpiece was like a huge like shock to my system. Oh man, masterpiece. It's true. It's so good. So uh, the three main characters in this 1995 classic are Agent, uh, sorry, Detective Somerset played Mm -hmm. by the great Morgan Freeman. Amazing. Yeah. Oh God, I love him. Um, Detective Mills, played by Brad Pitt, a very young and very, very ad- blonde. <laughs> very blonde. He's very handsome. He is probably Times Man of the Year, or whatever. Um, very young Brad Pitt, and then also a very young and still likable Gwyneth Paltrow as the head in the box. They were dating. Yeah. Yeah. Gwyneth and Brad, they both have that like blonde, like very like thin California thing going on, which in this movie they translated to like, oh, these are naive Midwesterners who are coming into the big city for the first time. Kind yeah, of kind they're of supposed to be in New York, right? Actually, I <laughs> so today in our mini sode, we wanted to talk about seven, of course, because Saw, the original, Saw One gets compared to seven so frequently and is really often accused of ripping off seven. So we wanted to dive into seven a little bit, see if those accusations hold up and just talk about it because we both love it. Mm -hmm. And uh, one thing I did know, and this was, this was something I, I kind of picked up as I was watching it. And as I was watching the movie, my suspicion grew was that they never actually said the name of the city. And so I looked it up and seven takes place in a nameless city. They do not actually say specifically oh, what city it takes place in. Which, I, sorry, go ahead. Start that over. It takes place in a nameless city, which as we know from Saw, one of the things that Megan's been keeping track of is that the Saw franchise takes place in a nameless city as well. Ugh. And that is something I just kind of actively chose not to pursue investigating in this movie for whatever reason. I I did cross my mind, and I and I remember seeing the cop cars and thinking, oh, they you know they have um, they have I'm sure they have license plates. But at one point, Gwyneth says something about living upstate. She says the word upstate. Which is a very New York thing. Yes. Yes. So I just assumed this was New York. And I think that you're supposed to assume it's New York. So I I read a little bit about about this because I was curious about the the not actually naming of the city. And the movie was filmed in LA and in the LA region. Um, I think that at the end of the movie, when you see them driving out into the fields, like you're like, oh yeah, this is Southern yeah, California. this is Southern California. I was like, <laughs> oh, they went to um, they went to the foothills of Big Bear. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like some desert. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, David Fincher said that he wanted to set this movie. Um, it he wanted to set it in New York, but made it 
kind of a nameless generic big city because mm-hmm. he as a younger man had lived in New York City and just felt like how gritty it was and how it really like chewed people up and wanted that to be the setting. So it was filmed in in California. The approximate setting or at least the vibe of it is supposed to be New York, but he purposefully didn't call it New York in the movie. That's really funny because I remember that line or that scene where Gwyneth is talking to Morgan Freeman about living here and raising a family in this place and thinking, oh my gosh, is New York really that scary <laughs> to <be able laughs> live in, um, you know, up by, uh, I'll edit this out. What's that school? Um, like NYU or not NYU, the other one. <laughs> Um, Not Cornell, obviously. I don't even think that's there, but um, I, I have no idea. What is it called? My, my sister-in-law, my sister-in-law <laughs> just taught a class there. That's why I'm thinking this because we were just there. Um, um, I don't know. I <laughs> okay. I'll add it in later. Never mind. Don't <laughs> worry. This is my problem to edit out. <laughs> but yeah, I I was thinking about how that term, yeah, is used for New Yorkers. And I was like, oh, okay, this takes place in New York. But I guess not. Yep. And so for me, like my my goal with watching this was to try and figure out if this was, you know, if this was really the predecessor to Saw. And I, I think I came out of it thinking that it's not that Saw is a ripoff of this movie, I think that Seven was just so influential in this time period that you see a lot of other movies that take on this neo-noir psychological thriller slash horror film kind of concept and just run with it because it was a wildly, wildly popular genre in the mid to late 90s and early 2000s. And so I think that tonally there are some things that are really similar between the two, but I think that you can make that claim for a lot of movies that came out in this time frame. Yeah, I I was taking notes. I know this is your focus for this episode. I was also taking notes on the similarities and differences, and I think you really hit it on the head. There's there's things that are the same between 7 and a lot of movies during this time. Um, especially leading up to Saw. So yeah, I, I'm excited for us to dive in. My focus for this episode was um, talking about the punishments for the victims and how we can rank them. Um, and so I'll talk more about my ranking system later. But yeah, there were some pretty nasty punishments. We can we can kind of relate those to the traps in jig in uh, the Saw series. Um, and we'll unpack that a bit later. Okay, so I want to dig into some of the similarities and dissimilarities that I saw and. I want to start maybe with a dissimilarity, which is that overall, the whole arc of the plot of Seven is really, really focused on these two detectives. It is almost a strict police procedural where it's detectives, you know, Somerset is on his way out. Mills is the new detective coming in. So there's some of that interplay of you know, rookie detective versus the like senior retiree detective. There's a lot about them going through clues. There's a lot with, you know, Morgan Freeman's character, Detective Somerset, going to the library. The library is like a really big fixture in this movie. And so there's just a big, big focus on the research and the detective work happening. And they actually move really quickly through some of the actual gruesome murders they don't a couple of them they just kind of like maybe show in like a quick like photograph montage and don't spend a ton of time on or there's maybe like a couple of minutes dedicated to a murder but it's not the main focus of it um whereas in saw of course the main characters are the victims like we see in later saw movies 
that it starts to focus a little bit more on the FBI, a little bit more on the SWAT team, the police, the detectives. But in Saw 1, we're almost entirely with the victims who are in this singular trap for a majority of the movie. And I think that that framing of it just gives you a completely different perspective as an audience on who you want to see succeed, who you want to see get closure in the film. And so I think that that those differences like really just make the biggest difference in in how the movies play out. Yeah, I think it really frames the narrative of each story. I actually wrote down a version, I think, of this difference. Like, um, to kind of support what you're saying, I wrote down that the lesson in Seven is being taught to the world. The lesson is not important for the victim to learn because they all die. They're meant to die. They're meant to suffer and die Mm -hmm. um, and be something for the detectives to find and therefore report to the world. Whereas in Saw, the lesson is meant to be taught on an individual level. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something for the detectives to try and figure out, but it's not, focused on the detectives figuring out who Jigsaw is. That's not the point. The point is for these people to learn a lesson, whether they live or die. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think that the similarities that they have, um, I think are just kind of, some things are of its time. Some things might seem like a a little bit of an homage to Seven in Saw. Uh, One of the things that you really see a lot in this like 90s to early 2000s is having a black detective specifically like Morgan Freeman and um Danny Glover they're they they play detectives in so many movies yeah so it's one of those things where it's like i don't think that this is a fault of either movie it's just kind of like a typecasting that happened a lot in the 90s this concept of like, oh, the old, like the older detective who's on his way out is being played by an older black man. And then the, the new person who's coming in is kind of like a, a younger hotshot guy who's maybe like a little bit more testy, a little bit more hot tempered. And that's just like kind of a trope of these types of, of these types of movies is kind of like noir type movie. Yeah, I I I was I kind of thought about that too. I was like, oh, there's a black cop in each one. But that's silly. Like that's that's just gonna happen. Um I I think it was a coincidence. And also Morgan Freeman, I mean, Jesus, you don't get any better than that. Um He's so good. He's I so I also good. I I remember mm, I'll leave this out because I might be wrong. So I'll edit that out. But yes, in general, Morgan Freeman is a plus (laughs) to all of these movies. And I I don't think, I don't think it was intentionally, hey, let's have a black guy play a cop in both movies. Yeah, I don't think it was in intentional. I think it is an interesting choice that so many filmmakers have made this. One one movie series I kept going back to and I don't know if you read these books but the James Patterson books like um Kiss the Girls and Along Came a Spider. Oh yeah. Yeah, they made those into movies um and Kiss the Girls came out after 7 came out and Morgan Freeman plays a detective in in those movies as well. And those follow serial killers who are operating on a theme with rules. Like, and I actually was like, as I was looking into this, I was like, oh, I almost feel like to some degree that the serial killer from those James Patterson movies are kind of more thematically close to Jigsaw than John Doe is in Seven. But that's a that's yeah. a different thing. I haven't watched those movies in a long time, and I haven't read those books in like even longer. So that's neither here here nor there. And I think that the other similarities are kind of superficial things, you know, um, serial killer with a theme. That's not superficial, but that's like it again feels like a genre play. Like, yeah, I don't know if you would accuse like 
a rural hillbilly murder movie of ripping off the hills have eyes. Like it's kind of a theme. Like it's it's a type of horror movie. Yeah. Just like this is like a, it's a psychological horror movie uh, in the genre. And I think that serial killers in particularly like gr- kind of gruesome genius serial killers like were just at a hot point in this point I think, time. I think so too. Um, there were a few other superficial similarities that I caught like the industrial music, which is just a stylistic thing at the time that was very popular. Um, there was a comic book tie in. They each had a comic book. That's Mm -hmm. superficial. Lots of movies have comic books. Um, you get what you deserve, I think is one that's worth unpacking. That is definitely a theme that came into play in both. Um, we did hear, we actually, you know, we hear this all the time in Saw. This is what you deserve. This is this is for you to atone for your wasted life, mm-hmm. um, cherish your life, all that kind of stuff. In Seven, we actually heard a cop say this to uh, someone on the SWAT team said this to the victim of Sloth. You got what you deserved right before mm-hmm. Sloth wakes up, and I and I was like, oh, that's that's a definite mentality I think at the time that people were playing with I know I I wonder about this because I feel like when I was this is like taking it on a more like personal like level but I feel like when I was growing up there was a lot of this idea of retribution justice and like vengeance as like a a tolerated and celebrated thing um and I think that we see in in these movies like Seven and Saw, like, okay, what if you take that that idea that people are sometimes okay with and take it to its yeah. absolute extreme? Yeah. And then you get these, you know, Jigsaw and John Doe serial serial killers. Yeah. Who kind of do the same thing. Like, I mean, John Doe is is one of those people where he's like, I didn't make them kill themselves. Like they, they chose what they did. Like if you think about the one I felt like was the most jigsaw like was the woman who was the pride victim where he totally messed up her face. He like slashed her face, cut off her nose and he glued in one hand, the sleeping pills and glued in the other hand, the phone. Yeah. And she could either choose to call for help or choose to kill herself rather than live a disfigured life. Yeah. And that one was so like the fact that she had to choose what to do felt very jigsaw to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then the one other thing, and this is not actually a tie into saw one, but is a tie into a later saw movie um, is the pound of flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, trap, which I we just recorded Saw Six, yeah, and in Saw Six there is a trap where these two um, lenders must cut, you know, fat off of their body or just cut cut pieces off of their body in order to survive this trap. And then in Seven there is. The greed trap, a lawyer must cut a pound of flesh off of his body. Yeah. Um, and so that was just like, I don't know. I I there was I mean it's Shakespearean for one thing. So it's not like this is a novel idea that came up in seven. Yeah. It's just and- funny that this is a thing that people are now leveraging in these like horror thriller movies. Yeah. And I think when we're talking about similarities between the two, I guess movie I want to say movies but it seems like you know franchises is sort of what we're talking about um that trap came so much later it was definitely not involved in the creation of saw one no definitely you know? not i i mean i think it's okay for a movie or a genre franchise whatever to pull from tropes that have been done before or not necessarily tropes might be the wrong word but um ideas pulling from ideas that have been done in similar movies you know this is now it was what saw 
five we just talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, that's plenty of time for that idea to sit. If they, if they borrowed from it, fine. It could be borrowed from anywhere. People have these sort of sentiments about lawyers wherever you look. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that there are some similarities. I don't think it's as much of a ripoff as people would have you believe it is. So I would say, I mean, is there anything else that you want to add to those similarities or dissimilarities that really stood out to you? Yeah, I would say another similarity was there were victims that didn't really deserve the punishments. Um, The first two victims that come to mind are Tracy from Seven and Hank from the Saw series. There, There were definitely people who were bystanders in all this who got pulled in because they needed to be a prop for someone else. Amanda's um, cellmate, you know, mm-hmm. that would have been another one. Yeah, yeah. That, that did happen a lot in Saw. It, it was not necessarily as prevalent in Seven, um, but I mean, you could even make very strong cases for the for the victims themselves really not deserving these punishments in seven. (laughs) But as you know, as far as comparisons go, I'm talking about people who were basically third party to these atrocities that happened. Yeah. Yeah. The the people I tend to call, I'm going to start that over. The people I tend to call collateral damage. Yeah. Movies. There's like quite a bit of collateral damage. And I would, I would totally agree. I think that the victims in seven are, you know, I mean, some of them are just like one of them's a lawyer. I mean, there's one guy who's a pedophile. And, yeah. But the other ones are like, oh, this is a lawyer. This is a woman who's vain. This <laughs> it's is kind a of fat like, man. <laughs> it's very, it's a very like jigsaw type of criteria for yeah. who, who gets to be a victim here. Um, that leads me to our first, my first just totally hypothetical question to pose in mm-hmm. in comparison of these two movies. Who do you think, Kate, I'm curious, was less hypocritical in their morality? John Doe or Jigsaw? I I had a hard time with this. Who was less hypocritical? That's a really good question. <laughs> I think I think that's a really good question because We've seen so much of Jigsaw that my instinct is to say that John Doe is less hypocritical because we've just seen less of him. (laughs) (laughs) And we've seen Jigsaw be absolutely prolific in the number of traps and victims he's had and the number of just innocent bystanders who get pulled into these traps. Yeah. I feel like... The types of victims in Seven, though, um, I almost agree with. So this is really hard. I'm a very, I'm a very staunch like anti death penalty person, sure, like sure. value all human life um, kind of person. And so, I guess that if you're looking at Jigsaw's victims, he, I don't know, I don't know. I, that's a really hard. <laughs> I was going to say Jigsaw's victims, like some of them are actually bad people. Yeah. um, But so many of them aren't. So many of them aren't. Most of them aren't. Most of them are cops just trying to do their jobs. Yeah, no kidding. And so John Doe, he's got some victims that just feel like weird morality claims. Like one of them, like the worst one is the victim for lust who – traumatizes one person and brutally murders another person. And he claims that this sex worker deserves to be killed in this horrible, horrible fashion because she's a sex worker. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. And then this other guy who is just forced at gunpoint to kill this woman, it doesn't make any sense. Like that – and the woman who is vain and gets killed – I feel like he's just trying to put together a story so because he knows that when this is done, he's going to get the death sentence. There's no way he's going to not get the death penalty coming out of this. And does he? 
Right. And so, um, and he does. Yeah, he gets just straight up executed. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I guess Jigsaw is less hypocritical, but that feels really wrong to say. Oh, man. But listen, I was feeling the same way because, yeah, I agree with what you've said. I, yeah, to support that. John Doe is attacking people for their their gigs. Like this is how they make their way in the world. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're providing a service. So I mean, you know, we have not everybody, but we do have a, a clump of people. Like lust, as you're saying, lust is a prostitute, and she's just a prostitute that you know people want to pay for sex, so they do, and she does it and is then raped with a blade. That's horrible. That's very extreme. It's horrible. You know, actually prostitution is one of the oldest jobs in the book. So it seems, you know, a little like overkill in this case. Um, Pride. This is what a model who's killed for looking good. That's her job. Her job is to look this way. Right. Um, Greed is a lawyer. Uh, you know, this guy, he's he's working for people who are probably guilty, but he's still doing oh. his job, you know. Yeah, I will. It's say. not like he's a defense attorney. He is, it's, I mean, I'm sorry. It's not like he is um, a public defender. He is a defense attorney. He, he is paid top dollar to get people out, but that's his, that's also his job. Right. So yeah. there are, there are some of these things that people are being killed for that are just purely by way of making money in the world, just getting by. I will say for the defense lawyer that there is in John Doe's apartment, there is a newspaper clipping that is pinned to one of the walls that says defense attorney like secures like freedom for pedophile basically. And both defense attorney is circled and pedophile is circled. And so I assumed that that was greed and sloth. Yeah. um, Those two are related. I'm going to pause for a second while I look this up and we'll come back to it. Okay. Yeah. But, um, uh, seven, let's see, seven deadly sins. So I wanted to talk about the comic books because I have the seven comic books, but I lent them, lent them to somebody and I don't remember who I, it might've been my niece and nephew, um, so I couldn't refer to them <laughs> if I more really wanted to. Um, and I was really mad. So that's why I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up later. It's fine. We were talking about, yes, I think this was in the comic books. My point was, I think this is in the, this is in the comic books. So I'm going to talk about it like it was in the comic books. And if it wasn't, I'll edit it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, Oh my God, Kate, side note, since I'm already in this mode, I am a very, uh, what's it called? I, I just, I edit like aggressively. So I'm okay with shit like this happening. And I just, (laughs) I won't, I promise I won't do this to you. I'll try harder. (laughs) You're fine. Okay. (laughs) But I, I, I do have the comics, and um, yes, they do show Sloth being a customer of greed in the comic books, which is cool because they, you know, give some backstory to these guys, and that's what they do in the movie. They put, they take Sloth's hand and use it as the fingerprints that spells out, yeah, the. Uh, the message and it connects the two in the movie. So I thought that was super cool. Cause um, you know, he's his lawyer. Yeah. That, that was a really nice tie in. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't really have any other differences to add. 
um, you call out a big one, right? Which is these, these, um, punishments don't always necessarily have to do with, um, the, the people being punished or the people that it's supposed to create a mental shift in. Um, yeah. So as far as differences go, I think, I think that's, that's good. Do you feel like it's different enough for Saw to be a valid movie on its own? Because I certainly do. I I do as well. They're very different movies. They've got different, different motivations, different plot structures. They, I think that they both stand on their own. Totally fine. Great. I'm so glad we both came to that (laughs) realization because I love both of these movies and I don't want to give the haters any reason to hate on either of them. If you for hate this, it, for this you, reason. <laughs> if you're a hater, you can leave a comment on our Instagram, but you have to follow us first. <laughs> yeah, that's your punishment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but since we're talking about these traps again, or you know, we call them traps because we're used to saw, but they're I, I, I tried to make a conscious decision to call them punishments. Mm-hmm. For seven, because there is no way out of these. You are just punished until you're dead. So we start with gluttony in seven. Gluttony, uh, the gluttony victim was force fed spaghetti until his stomach burst. <laughs> Horrible. Ugh. And then on top of that, he's also force fed these like weird metallic or concrete strips from the floor. Yeah. Yeah, we see Detective Somerset pull the fridge. He figures out um, where these have come from when he sees the scrapes in the floor. And so he pulls the fridge forward and finds the word gluttony behind the fridge. But, you know, he he takes these strips that have been pulled from this man's stomach and lays them into the ground where it looks like they've come from. And so that's how he figures out where this message is. It's, it's because this man has pulled the fridge out. What a heavy fridge. I've definitely tugged on my fridge and not have any, have, and have not have any problems with the floor scraping. So that's gluttony. He's, he's force fed till he bursts. Greed is that lawyer that we've been talking about. He's been bled out. So of course, with a lawyer, you get, a scale Mm -hmm. and there's a pound of flesh on it that has been carved out from his love handles. Again, there, there comes that love handle um, fantasy where you bulge it out and cut it off that we all do. Uh, And he is basically his head is on a stack of books and he is in like a praying kind of pose. Um, praying to money. It's it's that kind of biblical um, iconography going on there. Sloth, um, he is our dude who's been bailed out his entire life. He's like a trust fund kid, kind of gotten into drugs, really heavy drugs, armed robbery, attempted rape, um, mental health issues that have that have played into these, these atrocities that haven't you know, they've gone on, everything's gone on checked is the issue with this guy sloth. And so he's been tied to a bed and force fed drugs (laughs) (laughs) until he decomposes. Um, And I love this. I love this so much. I know this isn't what this pod, this episode's about, but I love how there's all these car air fresheners hanging yeah. from the ceiling. It's such, a, it's such a like iconic scene of them walking yeah. in and seeing the, the pine tree air fresheners yeah. just hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. I watched this with my dad and that's the, for whatever reason, the scene I remember the most watching with him just like, Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> it smells so bad. He's covered up with air fresheners that belong in your car. Um, Next is Lust, which is the prostitute who is raped with a knife strap on. Um, and the and the man wearing the strap on is forced to do it with a gun pointed to his head. Because, of course, 
you know, John Doe would never do such a thing. He's got to force someone else to do it. Mm-mm. Pride is a model who has been killed and she's got sleeping pills glued to one hand and and her phone in the other to call for help and her nose has also been cut off why not to spider face envy and wrath are the last two of this movie and we the these two traps are or not traps punishments are intertwined with each other these are the finale this is the climax of the movie envy is john doe who has visited Mills's wife and we don't see this on screen. It happens in the background, but he has visited Mills's wife. They talk about this in the comic book actually. And he tries, he, you know, he tries out being a husband for a day. Mm-hmm. And of course it doesn't work because who the, who the hell wants this? Who wants <laughs> this strange man entering your home, acting as your husband? Of course not. So he, he kills Tracy puts her head in a box and sends it to Mills and Mills becomes wrath after seeing this. Mills has already been shown throughout this movie being kind of one of those cops that you can easily set off. You can, you can piss him off and get him to beat somebody up, you know, at the drop of a hat. And John Doe decides not to drop the hat. He decides to drop the head and really bring out the wrath for Mills. Um, Mills realizes his head, his wife's head is in a box. Yeah. Courtesy of John Doe. And yeah, it's awful. And so he, of course, takes out John Doe at the end. Spoiler alert. Oops. And, and yeah, those are the seven sins. So my job was to find a way to rank these traps in whatever way felt real to me. Um, and I, and I tried it a few different ways. It was really hard to rank these, Kate, because none of these people deserved what they got really. Not a, not a single one. (laughs) Yeah, it, it was, it was rough. These punishments were far too heavy for these crimes. Um, so what I did was I took the seven punishments and, and grouped them into three groups and then rank them going from there. So the first group is got what they deserved. This group is for people who got punishments that totally fit the crime. <laughs> I have no problem with this. The second group is deserved something but not that. Okay. And the third group is didn't deserve any of this. Great. <laughs> Should Love have it. been left alone. Perfect. <laughs> so, okay. So in got what they deserve, there was only one entry. Can you guess what that entry was? Got what they deserved. Yeah. Um, John Doe. Yes. <laughs> it was envy. envy. Yeah. So John Doe beheaded a woman and terrorized six other victims. Uh, actually, sev- uh, seven, if you count, you know, lust as two. And also the detectives, you know, wasting our, our taxpayer dollar. So that's Envy. Envy got what they deserved. He did all this shit and he got a shot to the head. I think that's fair. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. Um, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's fine. I I always felt like the envy is so contrived because I cannot imagine John Doe actually wants like a happy family no. with a wife and kids. Like, no, it's not what he wants. He's a man who wants to see people punished and to be remembered forever in infamy. Like, yeah. that's what he wants. And so – it just feels very like, yeah, like I said, contrived to to say that he's envy. But that's a character flaw. And so I do think that him getting shot in the head six times by Mills is pretty deserved. Totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm glad we agree on that. The second category deserved something, but not that. So in this order, I put wrath, greed, mm-hmm. and then sloth. Yes. Yeah. I would say um, sloth is my number one for this category because 
This is a guy who seems like he should have gone to prison. He's doesn't deserve to be let off. Um, greed sounds like this is just like a kind of typical scummy lawyer who like did everything to kind of work the system to get these like bad mm-hmm. guys off. And then for Wrath, Mill's character, um, I don't know how he didn't get flagged by like a psyche valve. I know. When becoming a detective, it doesn't make any sense to me that he was able to get this far into being a detective without someone like flagging his file that he is a loose cannon. It's true. He really is. But you know what's funny? It, you know, compared to Jigs, to, sorry, compared to Saw, I was like, this guy is fine. <laughs> I remember watching this movie not long after it came out because I was just a kid, but I did watch it you know, relatively young, um, thinking he was a really angry person and a terrible cop. But after watching Eric Matthews <laughs> played, <laughs> you know, Donnie, yeah. it'd be super angry all the time. I was like, oh, this guy's fine. He's he's a little um, irritated, but he's he's good to his wife. He loves his dogs. He's, he's all right. <laughs> Really homophobic. He's super homophobic. Like he he drops the like bad f word like a bunch of times in this movie, and I didn't remember that for my last watching. But I was like, damn, somebody needs to get this guy some diversity training. Like (laughs) he lives in the big city now, the big city of wherever it is. (laughs) Not gonna fly anymore. Yeah, (laughs) and then sloth. You know, Sloth definitely was the worst of the bunch. He created he created a lot of crime and mayhem, but also, you know, of course, this is too much of a punishment for any person on on the planet. He's tied to a bed for a year to the day when he is discovered. Um, being injected with with drugs is it heroin is it what is it do we know it kind of seems like it could be heroin but i'm not sure it's something bad and also his hand is cut off so that it can leave fingerprints elsewhere to lead the detectives around where john doe wants them to go so his punishment is really bad it's 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 not fair to give him this punishment for what he's done. I don't think. I, not I think, at all. I think you know, you and I are are not cool with with punishment in the way it's doled out in general. And this, I think, is you know a good example of something that's gone too far. <laughs> yeah, just give this guy a prison sentence and leave him alone. Like- yeah. <laughs> You know, at worst, this guy deserves solitary confinement. Right. Jeez. Which is as bad as it gets, I think, legally. Um, so my third category didn't deserve any of this. These are people who are just trying to get by. They're just doing their thing. They're not hurting anybody else. Um, So number one is pride. She's doing her job. She's a model. She's paid to look good and she works to look good. Um, Gluttony is number two. You know, obviously being fat wasn't his job, but he also wasn't hurting anybody. This is life. (laughs) He's just, and he's just having his life. Maybe he's depressed. Maybe somebody was mean to him. Who knows why? Or or he's just, or he's just fat and that's fine. Or he's just fat. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. He doesn't even need a backstory. Like he's allowed to just be fat and not get murdered for it. It's horrible. I mean, you know, for John Doe, like maybe John Doe could have considered all these things, but it doesn't matter. Either way, he's not hurting anybody directly. Um, And then at the bottom of this list is lust because this is the most unfair punishment for anybody. Uh, You know, this woman is a prostitute. Fine. Um, Kate, I remember having conversations with myself in my head. They weren't very long, but thinking, you know, well, she's a prostitute and that's not legal and that's not okay. Blah, blah, blah. Um, and growing up, I had differ differing thoughts on this. Obviously that's not how I feel anymore. 
Um, but, but what's so funny about this punishment to me is it really doesn't focus on her at all. It doesn't even talk about her. It's, it, it's all about the guy who had to do the knife rape, what it did to him. Yeah, they spend a lot of time on that guy who is also a victim in this too. He's so traumatized from it. You can just see it. But I like I remember when I watched it and I was pretty young when I had seen this movie. I saw it after Saw, so I must have been at least 13 when I saw this movie. Ooh. Um, but <laughs> but I remember just being so horrified at the prospect of being raped Ooh. to death with a knife. Yeah. No matter yeah. what. I think like a couple times a year, it just is like an intrusive thought in my brain of like, oh, what if you got raped to death by a knife? Mm. <laughs> it's just like burned into my brain. Like I can't like not think it's a horrible thing. No one ever deserves something as horrible as that. And I almost think it's worse than anything we see in the Saw movies. Yeah. And I know we see a lot of really terrible things in the Saw movies. It's bad. It's bad. And and she does not deserve this at all. She's doing her job. Whether it's a job that we're, you know, morally opposed to or not, fine. But it's still a job. She's not necessarily what no, it doesn't even matter. You know, she's not doing anything to hurt somebody else. She's doing something as a service to a man who needs help. That's fine. That's totally fine. Um, and and the thought of of going through that is unfathomable. And I, you know, I remember, I remember at the time when this came out, being young, thinking like, well, prostitution is illegal, you know. And and it's so funny because this rewatching this movie at this point in time in history really brings those thoughts back up again. And immediately I'm like, oh, right. But nobody cares. Like, it's fine. Like we, the problem is not prostitution. The problem is regulating it. The problem is making it safe. Right. <laughs> the problem is something totally different. Yeah. Um, Watching these movies. I mean, seven came out almost 30 years ago, yeah. 25, 25 years ago. And like, if you think about the difference in like, what people in the year 2000 were thinking versus what people in 1975 were thinking. That's kind of the scale that we're working with is is attitudes and morals and law change, you know, every generation. And I would say that 25 years is enough time for us to now look back at this movie from a filmmaker who is still making movies and shows. And you can see when you look at his movies and shows, like, that his attitude towards certain things has progressed, even if like back in the nineties, like he was still treating sex work as something that was, you know, it's a list in even the audience is thinking like, Oh, well it's, you know, well she was a prostitute. So what are you going to do? Right. But, yeah. Right. So it's interesting to see how things like that change in yeah. a relatively short period of time. Yeah. And speaking of what was going on at the time, um, in 1995, this was the year of the Oklahoma City bombing by Timothy McVeigh. Oh, wow. This is the year of O.J. Simpson being pronounced innocent. Oh, man. What a messy year. Yeah. This is also the year that the New York Times and the Washington Post published the Unabomber's manifesto. Ooh, interesting. So so much interesting crime happening in 95. Yes. Yes. People were probably very primed to be angry at these victims. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was talking to Zach about this episode earlier today, you know, how would we categorize these things? And there, there's a lot of gray area, but for the most point, for the most, uh, sorry. But I can't. you're right. What's the, what's the phrase I'm trying to say, Kate? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, for the most part, for okay. the most part, you know, these were crimes that did not deserve the punishment they got, and that's what I think people connect to Saw because nobody in Saw deserves what they get in Saw. Right. Period. 
<laughs> There's no question. Oh man, that was that was good. Oh man, I love Seven. Seven's such a good movie. It's such a different movie to Saw. Yeah. And I know this wasn't like a full movie review. I know we do recommendations at the end of our like full movie reviews. And so I just like want to tell people like if you love if you love crime thrillers, if you like police procedurals, if you have like a true crime serial killer like interest, um, then Seven is definitely the movie for you. And it's not gross out in the way that no. Saw is, especially no. the later Saw movies. So it's just a solid, stellar movie all around. Yeah. I, I absolutely love this movie. And I – I love the dialogue it created. It did create a weird dialogue within me at the time, um, which I think ended up being good for me. And I loved the I loved the twist. It was the first time we had really seen a twist like this. You know, first the twist is, you know, the villain is is a nobody and he turned himself in. You never see anything like that. And then the next twist, because we're not even done there, the next twist is that you are the person getting charged with a crime. <laughs> and that's Mills. Mills, the person we've been rooting for, the person, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt plays Mills. We all love Brad Pitt. He's attractive. He's you know, funny, he's smart. We we've seen him in so many different roles. And now he's also the bad guy because he becomes one of these sins. It's like, oh, there's so much to think about. Yeah, I love this movie. I just love it. And I don't I don't mind that it's being compared to Saw. I'm glad Saw gets that cred because usually it gets cred for not being very good. So <laughs> I'll take what I can get. It is a very favorable comparison, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Cool. Is that is that seven, our, our recap of seven? That's our seven recap and how it compares to Saw and all you haters that thinks Saw just ripped off of seven. No, no, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for listening to our mini sode on seven. See you at seven seven. <laughs>This has been Not Quite Dead. Make sure to check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, you know, if you're feeling a little wild and crazy, why don't you try listening to them out of order? It's not like the Saw movies make sense anyway. Or, you know, listen to them in order, as they were intended. Either way, thanks for listening to our show. Don't get sawed.